Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to a mini-episode of Cinematic Universe, the podcast that's all about comic book movies, brought to you by FilmDivider.com. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and I'll be bringing you a truncated version of the show to bridge the gap between our X-Men First Class and Blade episodes. On today's show, I'll give you my reactions to the comics that Seb and James recommended on last week's podcast. Those were X-Men Season 1 and Fatal Attractions. But before any of that, let's take a look at some of the comic book movie news that has broken over the past week. So... Pretty much just as soon as we'd put our X-Men First Class episode out last week, almost as if we'd planned it, news broke that Fox are developing two X-Men related TV shows, those are Legion and Hellfire, and that is coming with the cooperation of Marvel Studios. Um, Hellfire is the show that will be um, aiming to air on the main Fox network and is set in the late 60s and follows, quote, a young agent who learns that a power-hungry woman with extraordinary abilities is working with a clandestine society of millionaires known as the Hellfire Club to take over the world. Uh, Legion, meanwhile, will be written by Fargo showrunner Noah Hawley, and this is for FX, the sister network of Fox. Um, And I'll quote directly from the piece again here. Um, Legion will tell the story of a troubled young man, David Haller, who may be more than human. Since he was a teenager, David has struggled with mental illness and diagnosed as schizophrenic. He has been in and out of psychiatric hospitals for years. But after a strange encounter with a fellow patient, he's confronted with the possibility that the voices he hears and the visions he sees might be real. Um, Den of Geek did initially report after these shows were announced that the deal between Marvel and Fox to allow these shows to happen had come about because Fox had sent the rights back to Marvel for the Fantastic Four. That's since been denied by by both Fox and Marvel, so it, it seems like that's, that's not the case right now. Um, and um, I'd love to dig a little bit deep on both Hellfire and Legion, but I think it's probably best saved for more discussion with Seb and James on next week's show. Back to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it looks like we'll be getting our next fix of Mark Ruffalo's Hulk in Thor Ragnarok, with Deadline reporting that the actor is close to a deal to join the film. Uh, Thor and Hulk are, of course, the two big characters who are absent from Civil War, so it's nice that they'll both get a spotlight here. Um, But 
God only knows how Hulk is going to fit into the plot. Um, the other rumour surrounding the film is that the first uh, draft of the script includes either Valkyries, plural, or the Marvel character of Valkyrie, but there seems to be a bit of confusion around the internet as to which one it is. Um, I'm not going to guess, because I'm not going to pretend to have any idea of what's going on in Thor Ragnarok, other than it contains Thor and Ragnarok. Um, that's all I'm going to say for now, <laughs> with any degree of confidence. Uh, Doug Lyman is the latest name to be rumoured for the Gambit director's chair, with Channing Tatum reportedly keen for the Edge of Tomorrow and Born Identity director to replace Rupert Wyatt. Uh, it's just a rumour at this point, and Lyman already has Luna Park with Tom Cruise on his upcoming slate, so he might be busy. But it's probably worth paying close attention to any rumours around the directors for that movie at the moment, because... It has to announce a new director soon, right? I mean, it's due in cinemas on October the 7th, 2016. That's now less than a year away. Hurry up, Fox. You need a director for that movie. And finally, Ant-Man has taken a huge box office haul in China, um, surpassing some of the other Marvel Studios films. And so Marvel, like many other studios, are more keen now than ever to capitalise on that potential market. Uh, We already saw their efforts pretty nakedly laid out in Iron Man 3, but at a press event in China this week, the company have reportedly said that they are actively developing Chinese characters to add to its universe. And sure, this is a decision driven by capitalism, but it has to be a good thing that Marvel are aiming to be more diverse, Um, and wouldn't it just be nice if they could find the financial imperative to pursue diversity elsewhere as well? Or maybe, you know, mix it in with some that isn't necessarily going to make them money, but probably is because you're opening your films out to a wider audience anytime you become more diverse. Okay, let's move on now to discussing this week's comic book recommendations. Um, first up, I'm going to start with the one that is slightly more easy to grapple with. This is X-Men Season 1. Uh, this comes from Dennis Hopeless and Jamie McKelvey. And um, as Seb explained on the podcast last week, is kind of... Um, it's a reimagining of the original X-Men team that kind of does exist within main Marvel continuity, but is kind of transplanting this story that was originally told back in the 60s, I guess, 60s, 70s, um, and transporting it to a modern setting. So you've got the original five X-Men who are Angel, uh, Warren Worthington, um, Bobby Drake, Iceman, Hank McCoy, Beast, Jean Grey, uh, Marvel Girl, and Scott Summers, Cyclops, um, as they go to um, Professor X's mansion for the first time to kind of make up his... um, his original team of X-Men. And the... the, the Well, it's a graphic... It's, it's not... It actually isn't a series of individual issues. It's just... It's a graphic novel. And um, it kind of... It kind of very nakedly lays bare right at the start that this is... Um, this is, you know, a, a modern telling of this story. I think it was printed in 2012. And um within the first two pages we see Jean Grey talking to her parents on an iPhone uh very prominently displayed as an iPhone um and that there's various kind of like little modern things thrown in there as well um and 
it's uh, it, it's kind of just in the way that the in the way that these kids talk because they're they are all teenagers. They're kind of like being Jean's being pulled out of her last year of high school to go and join the X Men um, because um, uh, Professor X has pretty much brainwashed her parents because that's the thing that he does. Um, it is becoming a, refer- a recurring theme that uh, Professor X is a bit of a dick. Um, <laughs> that maybe his intentions are pure, but he maybe maybe ripping five teenagers out to form a superhero team when they could be in school learning normal stuff. Maybe that isn't completely morally sound, um, even if even if it is done with the right intentions. Um, yeah, and and so we kind of get this this story being told of these five young X Men training in the X Mansion in the Danger Room and learning to grapple with their powers while they slowly become uh taken out into the field to have actual missions and actual actual fights which are normally to do with Magneto so this comic is at the same time as introducing this young team is kind of referring back constantly to this relationship that Charles and Eric have and the uh and the kind of inherent conflict that is at the heart of X-Men between them. Um, and so in, in a way it makes perfect sense that uh, Seb recommended this off the back of First Class. Um, obviously a completely different team of young mutants, um, but I might be tempted to say a better one. It would have been very, it would have been very interesting if um, the X-Men franchise had just gone, hey, screw continuity, let's do a First Class with the uh, original mutants and... Charles and Eric can be in the background of that, but hey, that didn't happen, and the film's still pretty good, so I'm not going to complain too much. Um, but what I really enjoyed about this comic was was mostly just that it, it was the teen drama of it. It felt like it felt like it could be um, that this could very easily be made into a TV show. Just these five teenagers hanging out in a mansion and having this bigger stuff hanging over them about being X-Men and being a team and how they can take down Magneto. But like the the most the most important drama at the heart of it seems to be this kind of the the interpersonal relationships between these five characters and also the way that they relate to Professor X as their teacher and mentor, but maybe also someone that none of them completely trust. Um and there is there is kind of a love triangle going on between Jean and Angel and Cyclops in that Jean initially has a crush on Angel and Cyclops has a crush on her. But really, uh, Jean kind of likes Cyclops, but Cyclops gets the wrong idea about Warren and Jean. And so there's, there's, there's lots of teen angst being thrown around there. And then um, Iceman and Beast are best friends but Beast leaves the team for some time and doesn't kind of talk to Iceman about it and so they fall out because Bobby feels kind of betrayed by Hank and that he's been kind of like thrown aside and um, there's there's just, that's that's when most of the fun of this comic is and it is cool seeing the, all the X-Men stuff in the background of it but that's certainly what I enjoyed the most and it seems that even during like the big fights where they're like fighting some of um, Magneto's goons we get uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch show up in this and uh, the Blob and Toad I think are the characters that are hanging around uh, Magneto but even when those kind of fights are going on, it's mostly the relationship between the team that is key and the dynamics within that team. Um, 
as as like real human beings and teenagers and that was really cool and the fact that they did talk like normal people and seem to have normal people problems um was i think a really nice way to to ground the x-men which can sometimes have concepts and ideas and we'll get to it when we get to james's recommendation but just like crazy operatic um stuff going on and, and this just felt really grounded and um you know, as a, as a way into X Men, as a because I still haven't read many X Men comics, uh, as a as a way into these characters on the page, um, really good. And and you know, there's a lot of characters here that I recognise from the screen, which is helpful um, because I think now for a lot of people, the movie X Men are the kind of definitive version, or maybe for some people, the the just just the version that they know best um and or the animated show so having these kind of characters that i do recognize so well from those movies um and obviously they're the original team as well it's not it's 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 no coincidence that they've been used in the movies although never as just a as the original team they've all got weird origins in different places in the movies but um yeah i i just i just found this um a really great introductory read to these characters and um just kind of eternally just perpetually optimistic the whole way through it was um the the, it ends on such an upbeat note um the the final page is really kind of triumphant and i i really enjoyed the fact that this comic was all told from jean's perspective she's the one girl on the team of four guys and it does go some way to redress that balance by making her the main character and by making most of it, most of the story be told from her POV. Um, also, Jamie McKelvey's art is great. Um, I I really like the way he draws uh, people. <laughs> that's that's a, a dumb thing to say, but I like I like the faces that he draws, and he is he's great at drawing hair in particular. Always really really great at drawing hair, um, and these people. Uh, these kids look cool. They, you know, they they look like the kind of kids that you'd see in an episode of Skins or something like that. You know, <laughs> these cool teenagers. Uh, I say this so far removed as a as a old mid twenty something. Uh, but yeah, they're all. They're, I I really like Jamie McCarthy's artwork, and basically this all came together to me as something um, really manageable to read, really accessible, and um, fun. Uh, so yeah, I would I would recommend X Men season one to kind of any comics newbies, and I'm sure that there is lots in there for kind of diehard X Men fans to enjoy as kind of like a, a new take on these characters that they probably know really well from from years and years in the comics. Um, we'll move on now to just kind of the the polar opposite on the scale which is um fatal attractions this is james's recommendation uh so this was written by fabian nikiza and scott lobdell and then just a whole bunch of artists because um this story unfolds over six issues of x-men comics um but they are six different x-men comics so issue one is told in x-factor issue 92 uh, the second part is X Force issue twenty five. The third part is Uncanny X Men three hundred and four. The fourth is X Men volume two issue twenty five. The fifth is Wolverine volume two issue seventy five, and the sixth is Excalibur 
issue 71. So there are six different X-Men titles here, which the story is kind of told um, across these six. I think really the bulk of the story, the bulk of the actual um, conflict is told across the third and fourth installments so the Uncanny X-Men and X-Men issues. Um, X-Factor and X-Force kind of feel like a little bit of setup. And Wolverine and Excalibur feel like a little bit of the fallout. the 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 big kind of the big showdown comes in the in the Uncanny X Men and X Men issues. Um, but so to kind of explain a little bit about the plot. So in Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That first issue of X Factor, um, and I'm going to try and explain this as best I can, but there are so many characters across these six issues who, you know, you're picking up on stories that have been told mid-flow or comics that have been told, you know, 90, 20, 300 issues in, and there are just characters around who it doesn't make any sense for the writers to stop and go, hey, this is this character, this is that character's name. So there were, there were people just that I was reading for maybe five, ten pages that I just didn't know who they were um just kind of had to buy into where they fit into the story um so but the first issue is the x-factor issue uh, kind of starts with this group of mutant called mutants called the acolytes who seem to be um like some kind of brotherhood of evil mutants that kind of I think were led by Magneto before he uh, was presumed to have died um, and are now being run uh, led by a character called Fabian Cortez um, and uh, they have kind of killed some humans which um, X-Factor are not happy about and they kind of have a battle um, and it becomes clear that the the key to this battle um, is that they are trying to get Quicksilver to go over to their side because they know that he's Magneto's son and that he's Magneto's heir. So they'd quite like him to join them, um, which he doesn't. Um, 
he he kind of turns them down and um quicksilver was basically for me the the best part of this issue he was i really like his design in the comics i feel like neither of the two um cinema versions of the past couple of years have um quite made him look cool in fact i think he looks flat out bad in days of future past and just a bit bland in his under armor in age of ultron but um i really like his comics design um and i I really like the character he seems kind of badass and world weary and he was the one that stood out in this issue um in which i i didn't know who most of the people were um and the second issue so we we then move over to x-force um and x-force seems to be um a team of mutants who I, a few of them i recognized and it was mentioned as being kind of like former new mutants so there's um cannonball i think sam guffrey and i, I mean i can't i can't remember who the others were uh, but the key in this issue is that cable shows up um who is a time traveling mutant again i don't really know much about him um and then a character called exodus shows up and exodus is uh offering the mutant sanctuary um which um is coming from kind of an unknown greater mutant except i think you can probably tell who that unknown greater mutant is um they are taken off to this uh spaceship called avalon um which is somewhere that cable used to be based and so these mutants are basically taken up there and, and they agree to go, but kind of whilst wary and setting up kind of an escape plan um, and go up there and talk to um, Exodus and eventually the person who is leading them, who is Magneto. And Magneto is kind of basically trying to recruit them onto his side and is basically lining up to... Um, take his ideology to its logical extreme which is to try and wipe out all humans and this is going to be his big assault and that he wants all of these powerful young mutants with him um who he seems to have some kind of relationship with in the past um and um but he he plans to basically wipe out any mutants that stand in his way um and has a very big fight with cable um cable eventually escapes and none of the X-Force team agree to join Magneto. So they um, they kind of run away back to Earth uh, with kind of a, a, a badly hurt but still alive Cable, uh, who also managed to get some sentient computer program out of Avalon's ship, which um, is supposed to be important, I guess. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so then... Um, in uh, Uncanny X-Men, so this is when things really start to come to the boil, all of the characters from X-Factor and X-Force and the main X-Men team are gathering because um, it is the funeral of um, a mutant called Ileana Rasputin, who is magic. She is the younger sister of the other mutant, Colossus. Um, and so we kind of spend a lot of time at this uh, at the funeral with all these characters gathered together. Um, only for Magneto to turn up and then the Acolytes from the first issue to turn up. So everything's crashing together here. This is big comics crossover time. And all these characters who we've spent time with for two and a half issues are then there and they... And basically Magneto kills one of the Acolytes as kind of a... um, show of force saying look this is this is what i'm gonna do to any mutant that stands in my way or doesn't do what exactly what i wanted them to do or doesn't follow my ideology um and um charles and eric basically have a big showdown um now 
Eric is um, initially kind of um, thrown away back into space towards the... I'm, I'm not quite sure how Charles does it, but the, the, the fight kind of takes a pause while the... Um, while um, Professor X is able to kind of like temporarily uh, stop Magneto. And that's how the issue of X-Men ends. Uh, so unca- uncanny X-Men ends. Um, and we then go into the issue of X-Men, which is kind of where this whole fight reaches um, a big crescendo. Um, the stuff involving the UN Security Council at the start, who are kind of trying to protect Earth and... Um, Magneto retaliates. So what happens is that Professor X with Jean Grey, Gambit, Rogue, Quicksilver and Wolverine, who I, I mean, I guess are, the, are probably the team in X-Men at that point. Um, they go up to Avalon, this spaceship where Magneto is. Um, and Professor X does this uh, by putting on this exoskeleton, um, a Shi'ar exoskeleton to go and battle Magneto. Um, and so there is this big battle up on Avalon and the, the key events up there are that uh, Magneto tears all of the adamantium out of Wolverine's skeleton, literally tears it all and out and, you know, kind of nearly kills him. And Professor X is so angry by this, he completely wipes Magneto's mind and leaves him back in a coma. Uh, and then they race back to Earth uh, to try and save Wolverine. Oh, something I forgot to mention was that during the um, during the third instalment as well, Colossus, upset by his sister dying, decides to join the Acolytes and Magneto on Avalon. Um, and he stays up there at the end of this issue to care for Magneto. Um, the fifth issue, and so that kind of is, that kind of is the big crescendo of this event, and the final two installments kind of feel like Fallout and just, um, and just kind of bringing everything together. So the fifth issue is the Wolverine issue, um, and it's basically a, uh, Wolverine who is kind of falling in and out of consciousness and, um, is having kind of visions and stuff like that. Um, it's basically him recovering from his injuries. Um, and he discovers that he has bone claws, which he apparently didn't know before. He thought the adamantium were his claws, but now he has he had bone under his claws. Um, and interestingly, reading the Wikipedia page, it says that, that uh, the, these two big events that happen at the end of um, X-Men issue 25, that Magneto's mind is wiped and that... Um, Wolverine's adamantium skeletons lost. Um, this crossover was published in 1993. Wolverine doesn't get his skeleton back for another seven years uh, in 2000, and um, the mind-wiped Magneto didn't return until 1999. So this this obviously had a big fallout. Um, and then the fifth issue is Excalibur, which is a, a comic again that I have no idea whatsoever, and it's basically uh, Kitty Pride is trying to. Um, Trying to get Colossus back to to kind of um, to kind of bring him back in the team, they think that he's had a head wound that has made him responsible for what he did, um, and eventually they do heal Colossus and he returns to his human form, like not his metal form, for the first time in ages. Um, but ultimately, the end of the issue says that he's going to remain with the acolytes and keep them in check. So, um, kind of like. Yeah, he's he basically Colossus isn't evil, but he's he's not in the 
he's not at the point where he wants to remain with the X-Men. Um, so yeah, this is <laughs> that is this big, enormous six-issue crossover. And I think James was saying on the last issue that he uh, on the last podcast that he loves this kind of comic story because it's something you know he he experienced this for the first time, kind of completely fresh and didn't know much about what was going on at all but kind of just loved this crazy story that was unfolding across all these different comics um and i did have fun reading it and i loved some of the prose and some of the the just just how big everything felt and how important everything felt and and i mean because ultimately it's just charles and eric again saying this is my ideology this is my ideology okay we're going to disagree and magneto is going to try and kill people um and so, in a way, that the story itself doesn't feel that, uh, you know, groundbreaking. I don't know, maybe this is one of the key texts in terms of that relationship. But to me, it didn't seem completely shocking or surprising, anything that happened there. But it did feel big, and it did feel, like, I think, I, I've used the word already, I'm using it because James used it, is that it's very operatic. Everything feels so pronounced and um, and epic. Um despite some uh, so much of it not making sense that the kind of the general story was was coherent enough um i struggled during the first two issues um the uh the x-force and x-factor issues especially x-factor which i i found a real struggle and some of the artwork back here is so brash and bright and colorful it's really hard to take it all in sometimes um I was, I was looking at pages trying to figure what the hell was going on and there is lots of ridiculously muscly characters um, rocking around here especially as part of the acolytes and characters like Cable and that's one of the things that I'm always a little bit wary of in comics or something that I always kind of react to a little bit for mm, really is these ridiculously muscle bound characters who just I, I'm like I, could could there not be like some semblance of believability to their to their physique? But but hey, comics, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I I kind of enjoyed this while really struggling to comprehend everything that was going on or the nuances of what was going on because I guess these are six different comics that are in the middle of telling their own stories as well. And while this uh, big crossover event is happening, they they do want to kind of address some of what's going on so like for instance we're picking up on you know at the funeral of Ileana Rasputin which plays into events um but also you know I I don't know that character and I don't know how she died so it's it's, it's a lot to take in at the start of each issue and kind of reset at the start of each of six individual issues meeting new characters while still trying to um keep a grip a grip on the main story going through um yeah um it, I, this was this was certainly like a, a a baptism of fire for me and classic x-men um i would love to read some more x-men and i like some of the ideas that are going on here um i don't know i i, I don't even know which of the which of the six titles i'd be most interested in continuing um after this there were there were kind of characters in each that i really liked i liked the way that certain characters were like you could see that they were talking in specific accents. So, like, I knew when I was reading Banshee and I knew when I was reading Sam Guffrey um, and some of the characters I just knew because I recognised them. But it was that was helpful sometimes to realise, oh, hey, this is this character that I'm following here. Um, and they tended to be the ones that I liked a little bit more, um, especially Sam Guffrey, who I think is cannibal. He seemed, he seemed pretty cool all the way through X-Force. And like I said, Quicksilver and 
um, a lot of the main X-Men team. Um, I liked some of the early stuff with Storm and Kitty Pride as well. Um, so yeah, lots lots to take in here. Um, I'm not sure whether I could, in all good conscience, recommend it like James did to a newcomer to X-Men. But um, I, under, I understand why he's done it. Um, this the, It is being thrown in at the deep end, but there is a, a lot of stuff to um, appreciate in there. But yes, yeah, so that was X-Men Season 1 and Fatal Attractions. Um, hopefully I've made them make some small amount of sense, at least. I'm, I'm sure that by at this point they make as much sense to you as they do to me. Except X-Men Season 1, which is very comprehensible. It's just Fatal Attractions, which blew my mind. Um, but that is it for this week. Uh, don't forget that next the next episode of Cinematic Universe will be covering Blade, just in time for Halloween. Um, if you're enjoying the show, then please do subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or your podcast app of choice. And if you've already subscribed, then please leave us a rating or review, and we will give you a shout-out on a future show if you do that. Uh, you can find more episodes of Cinematic Universe on cinematicuniverse.libsyn.com, or as we're a Film Divider podcast at filmdivider.com. You can get in touch via Facebook, on Twitter, at cu underscore podcast, or send us an email to cinematicuniversepod at gmail.com. See you next week. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.